The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. We begin with stocks keeping that win streak going. All three major indices extending their month-long run of gains. That momentum, however, may be taking a pause today. Futures a bit muted. And right at the top of the minds of investors, retail earnings. Home Depot and Walmart set to kick things off this morning as the sector continues to grapple with supply glut and inflation headaches. And tracking the money moves of the biggest hedge fund managers, the stocks that some of the most powerful market players are dumping and the ones they are snatching up. And a rare move for one of the world's most valuable companies as Apple reportedly further pumps the brakes on hiring amid fears of a tech spending slowdown. And Amazon taking on the federal government, accusing one agency of harassment of two of its top executives. It is Tuesday, August 16th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, good morning. I'm Frank Holland in for Brian Sullivan today. Thanks for waking up with us. We promise to make it productive. Let's kick off the hour with the check on the markets and your money right now. Stock futures that we just mentioned, a bit muted. Uh, slightly in the green right now. Actually, no, actually, look at the implied open. I apologize. Um, but kind of dip in between positive and negative. No clear direction right now. Again, pretty muted. This after stocks continue their win streak Monday with all three major indices finishing just about a half a percent higher. The Dow, however, closing above its 200-day moving average for the very first time since April. Let's also get a check on the bond market. The 10-year note holding right around that 2.8% threshold right now, just below it at this point, 2.795. You got to remember just about a week ago, it closed at 2.8. So not a lot of movement. We've been watching it pretty closely. We've also been watching the oil market. Crude prices, however, further extending their recent declines following that economic data out of China, sparring some fresh worries about a potential global recession. WTI right now, below 100 bucks a barrel. We'll see it right now at 88. We see Brent at 93. You got to remember, just a month ago, WTI was up at 100 bucks a barrel. And of course, we got to talk a little crypto. Bitcoin falling below that key 25,000 mark, actually below 24,000 over, overnight. And right now we're watching it. Um, Bitcoin down fractionally here. Ether down almost a percent. Both of these, Ether and Bitcoin down about 60 percent from their highs. But also, both of them are also up pretty high in the third quarter. Uh, Ether up more than I think about 60 or 80 percent. Bitcoin up about 20 percent. Ether getting a boost from that merge event that's coming up. Um, article on CNBC.com if you want to learn a little bit more about that. And now we want to turn to the early trade in Europe right now. Our Jumana Bersechi, she's standing by with the action overseas. Hey, Jumana. <laughs> Hi, Frank. Good morning to you. Let me just start off with the overnight action in Asian equities. So we had a little bit of movement. Well, Shanghai Composite, not a lot of movements around the flat line, but 
The bulk of the activity took place in the Hang Seng Index. You can see down about one percentage point. One of the main laggards here was Metuan, after a Reuters report came out suggesting that Tencent, the owner of Metuan, was looking to sell its full stake in the company. That stock was down about nine percentage points, dragging down the Hang Seng. And Nikkei kind of flat. But then the Australian index, very much in focus today, up six-tenths of a percentage point. Very strong numbers coming through from BHP. It's mining activity on back of coal. Uh, boosting results uh, significantly and they're actually going to pay out their largest dividend ever to shareholders. Moving on to European markets, the theme is also pretty positive. We've got the FTSE 100, also a very mining heavy index, up about four tenths of a percentage point. We had some strong wage data come through this morning, put some pressure on the Bank of England going into the next meeting. Kekaront in France up four tenths of a percentage point. Some of the luxury names lagging today. Zetradax in Germany up about seven tenths of a percentage point. The talk today in Europe is about this new energy levy that the government is going to be imposing on households as of October the 1st. So something to watch over there in Germany, Frank. All right, Joanna, thank you very much for the latest out in Europe. Now to some of the morning's top stories. Our Bertha Coombs is here with those. Good morning, Bertha. Good morning, Frank. So Apple is saying, hey, it's time to get back to work and reportedly carrying a series of layoff in the last week. According to Bloomberg, about 100 contract-based recruiters have been let go. The report says those workers were responsible for hiring new employees for Apple. Bloomberg says the workers who were laid off were told the cuts were made due to changes in Apple's current business needs. The move follows similar cuts by tech companies amid growing worries over a spending slowdown. World Wrestling Entertainment reportedly says its internal investigation into allegations of sexual misconduct against former chairman and CEO Vince McMahon is substantially complete. According to the Wall Street Journal, citing a series a securities filing by the company, the investigation, which was announced back in June, found roughly $20 million in expenses that should have been recorded in the company's financial statement. That included more than $14 million that McMahon agreed to pay to women to settle allegations of sexual misconduct from 2006 up to this year. And headaches for airline passengers in the New York City area, easing just a bit as of last night. FAA officials saying staffing availability issues at JFK and Newark International Airports were being resolved. Earlier in the day, the agency said it acted to reduce the flow of flights in the area due to staffing issues at air traffic control centers. It's tough this summer, Frank. <laughs> if you're going to fly, you kind of have to go a little early and leave plenty of time just because anything can go wrong. Uh, nowadays, I think you have to pack a sleeping bag when you go. You might get stuck there. I got some friends stuck down in Houston <laughs> right now. It's, I think it's beyond just New York City, oh, but no. it has been all summer. Our, our Bertha Coombs with the headlines. Thank you, Bertha. All right, now to your money as Wall Street looks towards another strong week. The S&P 500 seeing gains yesterday in nine of its sectors with consumer staples and utilities leading the charge. Energy and materials falling on commodity price declines and all of this as investors continue to gauge the staying power of this rally and whether a bear market is finally in the rearview mirror. Let's talk a lot more about this with Rick Pickaren, CIO of Pickaren. I like what you're doing. It's like a Beyonce thing. Just Pickaren. I like that one. Good morning, Rick. <laughs> Thanks. Good morning, Frank. How are you? All right, Rick. We got a lot to talk about. Um, two big things today: housing starts and retail earnings. I really want to focus on the retail earnings, if you don't mind. Um, we like to talk a lot about the state of the consumer, but we know there's more than just one single consumer. There's higher-end consumers, there's lower-end consumers, middle-class consumers. Um, coming up, we have Home Depot and Walmart today. Um, 
in the last week or so, we saw a lot of signs of inflation is declining. But this quarter, they're reporting inflation was kind of on the rise. There was a lot of recession concerns. What can we learn from these two retail reports today? Well, I think from the retail sector in general, and even if you want to go up from that, you know, from earnings in general, what we're learning is that earnings are hanging in much better this quarter than people thought they would. It's one of the reasons this rally started. Of course, the rally continued with the good inflation numbers that we had last week. But let's see, you know, the consumer sentiment numbers are terrible. We see the consumers continuing to spend, even though they're not feeling that great about it. And as you say, it's in sectors. The top end of the consumer market is really spending pretty robustly. So we'll see how that comes through with earnings. But if it's consistent with what we've seen before, we'll see a little bit better numbers than than the street is expected. So, Rick, uh, one other thing that we got to look at is if the bear market rally is real. Is this a real rally? Is it a bear market rally? Um, you know, what direction the market's going into? I don't know if you're into technicals, but if you're looking at the technicals, we crossed that key 4231 mark. Uh, we closed above that. So that should signal potentially it's likely it could signal that we're headed for a move to the upside. But of course, um, not everything's going to rise or generally it doesn't. Where do you see the leadership coming from in this changing market? Well, you know, Frank, we're lucky at Pitcairn. Our investors are generally some of the most prominent multi-generational families in the country, and they have a long-term view. And I think it's important in a year like this, in an investment environment that's as tricky as this is, to keep that long-term view. So the question could be, you know, is this the bottom or is the Fed going to raise 50 or 75 basis points? But I think the more important question is, how is this environment, the environment of the next five years, going to be different from the environment of the last five or ten? And that's going to give you a different kind of a leadership, a more value kind of a leadership. Different groups are going to work than worked in the low interest rate, cheap money environment of the last eight years. So a lot to digest there. Um, so you're saying that there's going to be different leadership, there's going to be changes, like we just can't pile into what we now call those work-from-home stocks and hope for the best. So can you give us one or two sectors that you believe, um, at least in the medium term, I know you're more focused on long-term investments, but in the medium term that you would focus your money in? Well, you know, it's great that we've had this rally uh, over the past six weeks. There weren't a whole lot of uh, strong bulls in late June. And as usually happens, when sentiment gets that bearish, you have a pop. Uh, still, we think the the Fed is not done. There's going to be continued volatility in the fall. And if you look at leadership prior to the uh, July rally, it was in some value sectors. It was in small cap. It was in staples. It was in energy. That's pulled back a little over the past two or three weeks. But, you know, we really believe in a diverse portfolio. It, the The environment is quite tricky. We're, we're not done with all the various macroeconomic effects we had off of COVID. And that's going to swing this market around. And investors should stay disciplined in this time when things are so tricky. Yeah, discipline is one of the hardest things when it comes to investing. Rick Pitcairn, we appreciate the insight. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Frank. All right, when we come back, your morning's big money movers, including the world's biggest retailer, offering a new streaming perk for its customers. Plus, China further ramping up its saber-rattling amid a fresh visit by U.S. lawmakers to Taiwan. We're live in Beijing with the very latest. And later, new warnings for the housing sector and talk of a potential recession. And look at whether the red-hot sector is set to come to a screeching halt. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. Four stock stories of the morning. First up is Walmart. It struck a deal to offer Paramount Plus to subscribers of its membership program in a push to compete with Amazon Prime. Remember, Amazon Prime has its own uh, streaming network. Walmart Plus members will get access to Paramount's Essential Plan, which costs $4.99 a month and includes ads. Stock two, Massimo. The Wall Street Journal reports, Politan Capital has a 9% stake and plans to push the medical device company to take action to improve its share price. The stock is down more than 30% since February when it announced a deal to buy a maker of high-end speakers and headphones, an acquisition that was poorly received. Stock 3 SoftBank, the Financial Times reports, Elliott Management has sold almost all its remaining shares in the Japanese conglomerate. The size and the timing of the sale is unknown, but it took place earlier this year as SoftBank was hit by the downturn in the tech sector. And finally, Metuan, shares of the Chinese food delivery service sliding in Hong Kong. Reuters reports Tencent plans to sell the bulk or all of its $24 billion stake in that company to appease Chinese regulators and cash in on its eight-year-old investment. All right, now to the latest developments in the tensions over Taiwan. China's military announcing it is resuming drills in the waters surrounding Taiwan. This announcement coming after the arrival of a new delegation of U.S. lawmakers to the island, following that high-profile visit earlier this month by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Eunice Yoon joins us now from Beijing with the very latest. Good morning, Eunice. Good morning, Frank. Well, China's foreign ministry just moments ago said that uh, Taiwan, what they described as independence forces, are going to feel the uh, counterattacks by Beijing in the wake of the congressional delegation uh, led by Senator Ed Markey. Uh, The uh, Chinese today blacklisted seven Taiwan officials who uh, Beijing described as independence diehards. Now, that list includes the Taiwan representative to the U.S. And according to the Chinese government, um, all seven are going to be, quote, accountable for life, though they didn't really give a whole lot of specificity on exactly what that means. Now, China also published a video as part of its uh, military drills, uh, saying that its air force had gone very close to an island which is home to a Taiwanese airbase. Now, Taiwan disputes that report, uh, which has been raising questions as to just how um, strong and really the extent of Beijing's military action this time around. Now, Chinese state media has been signaling uh, what uh, the next point of conflict could be by slamming 
a bill that is supposed to be uh, tabled in Congress later in the fall called the Taiwan Policy Act. Now, this policy act is an upgrade to U.S.-Taiwan relations, which, Frank, would mean uh, more security assistance and also potentially describing Taiwan as a non as a major non-NATO ally, which is exactly what Beijing would not want to see. So, Eunice, obviously tensions are just kind of ratcheting up right now. Is there anything that could ease the tension or, in your mind, is it only going to get worse? Well, it's likely to get worse just because of the point-to-point confrontation that we're seeing. Uh, But at the same time, there is one event on the horizon that could potentially uh, raise some hopes, and that is that there's been a lot of discussion now that President Xi and President Biden are going to be meeting in person towards the end of the year, possibly at the G20 or at APEC, so sometime in November. And given the fact that these are the two top people who could potentially uh, make things a little bit easier, uh, that's kind of what uh, people are hoping um, could potentially uh, lead uh, the U.S. and China to a better relationship. All right. Eunice Shun with the very latest. Eunice, great to see you as always. Thank you. All right. Still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange. Elon Musk landing a legal victory in his ongoing fight with Twitter. Details on the key data. The tech company is being now forced to hand over Worldwide Exchange. Back in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get a check on the morning's other headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the very latest. Good morning, Philip. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Eight people have reportedly been shot after a shootout erupted at a hospital in Memphis. This happened at Methodist North Hospital. Local station ABC 24 reporting the gunshots were fired in front of the emergency room entrance. The hail of bullets reportedly hitting a silver sedan that was parked on the median. NBC News has reached out to the Memphis police, but they have not released any information on the shooter nor details on the injuries of those who were shot. The hospital has declined to comment. On Thursday, former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg is expected to plead guilty to criminal charges. That's according to court documents and two people familiar with the matter. Weisselberg and the Trump Organization were indicted by the Manhattan DA's office over what prosecutors described as a 15-year off-the-book scheme to help top officials in the company avoid paying taxes. The former CFO is accused of not paying taxes on $1.7 million of his income. To the moon and beyond, that is the goal for NASA for its upcoming Artemis 1 launch. 
Today, the 322-foot-tall ship will be rolled to its launch pad at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, initiating the beginning phase of the agency's mission to get astronauts back on the moon and later to Mars. The uncrewed mega rocket and Orion spacecraft are scheduled for launch on August 29th with massive crowds expected to watch in person. So, Frank, if all goes well, we're talking about just over two years from now before we put man back on the moon. Very cool. It's hard to believe we haven't been to the moon in so long, especially with all the space tourism and everything else. It'll be a very cool thing when it happens. Two years yeah, from over, now, you said. Over 50 years it's been. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. All right, Philip Mena, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Several states are holding a high-profile primary contest today and former President Trump's influence facing its latest test as he throws his support behind candidates in some key races. NBC's Susan McGinnis joins us now from Washington. Good morning, Susan. Hey, Frank. Good morning. That's right. It's all part of a busy day in politics today as the Justice Department's investigation into Donald Trump's handling of classified documents continues. One of his biggest adversaries is facing voters. In deep red Wyoming, voters head to the polls as all indications point to Congresswoman Liz Cheney losing her House seat. She's a sellout. Yes, betrayal. Cheney, who co-chairs the January 6th committee, is firmly in former President Trump's crosshairs. Liz, you're fired. Former President Trump on a crusade to oust her backs Republican Harriet Hageman, who supports his false claims of election fraud. We're fed up with Liz Cheney. There is nothing more important she will ever do. With help from her former VP dad and perhaps Democrats and independents hoping against hope. She promotes democracy in a state where support remains strong for Donald Trump. And as the former president and Republicans fundraise off the FBI's search of his home, the Justice Department under pressure to release the affidavit justifying the search, but opposing the move, saying it needs to protect witnesses and the investigation into the former president. This, as the current president signs a bill today, he says will be life-changing for Americans. This is a historic moment. The $739 billion Inflation Reduction Act makes the biggest investment ever in climate change. It shores up the energy security in this country. Uh, It reduces our carbon footprint by far. It allows Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices, funded in part by new taxes on some corporations and households making more than $400,000 a year. Another legislative achievement for the Biden administration, but one Republicans argue will cost lower and middle class Americans more. And as for Liz Cheney, win or lose, she is promising to continue her fight to keep Donald Trump from holding office again. Frank? All right, Susan, thanks for that report. Still on deck here at Worldwide Exchange, Amazon takes on the federal government. The accusations by the retail giant of harassment by the feds of two of its top leaders. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, you miss Brian Sullivan. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. And Worldwide Exchange will be right back. Stocks looking for some fresh momentum to keep their win streak rolling. Futures pointing to some pressure at the open. A potential market catalyst to kick off of retail earnings. Stock Mushkin lays out what to watch amid continued pressures on the consumer. And following the money, the latest stock moves by some of the biggest money managers. It is Tuesday, August the 16th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back, and thanks for waking up with us. I am Frank Holland, in for Brian Sullivan. It's right around 5.30 a.m. here on the East Coast. Here's how the markets and your money look right now. Stock futures, well, fractionally lower right now. This after stocks continued their win streak on Monday, with all three major indices finishing up about a half a percent. 
We're also watching some of the big money moves by hedge fund managers and other key players in the market with the release of 13F filings. That includes the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. His Berkshire Hathaway ramping up its stake in Apple last quarter during the tech sell-off to nearly 895 million shares of Apple. Berkshire also boosting its stakes in Chevron and Activision Blizzard, but dumping its entire stake in Verizon. That's a position it formerly held for almost two years. The sell-off in tech not stopping Tiger Global from buying up some names in the sector. The fund increasing its stake in meta platforms and opening a position in Alphabet. But Tiger Global slashing its holdings of Snowflake, which was among its top holdings by about 69%. The fund also cutting its position in Microsoft, its second biggest holding, by about 30%. Meanwhile, David Tepper making major cuts to his portfolio during the second quarter. His fund selling shares of Microsoft, Amazon, Micron, and Alphabet, and ditching some of its stake in fertilizer maker Mosaic, as well as retailer Macy's. One large new position for Tepper's fund was Constellation Energy, coming in at almost $155 million. And Dan Loeb's third point, taking a new stake in toothpaste maker Colgate-Palmolive, the firm adding a $159 million stake, making the household products company one of its top 10 positions. Third point also snatching up shares of natural gas and oil company Antero Resources and another energy name, Oventive, to its portfolio. Loeb, of course, revealing his new stake in Disney, along with his call for the company to spin off its sports network ESPN. Shares closed up 2% in the, on the news in yesterday's session. All right, now to some of the morning's top stories. Our Bertha Coombs is back with more of those. Good morning again, Bertha. Hey, good morning, Frank. Remember, Apple now is laying off some of its recruiters. Well, it's ramping up its efforts to get its permanent workers back into the office. According to reports, the tech giant telling employees who work in Santa Clara County near its California headquarters, they'll need to be in the office three times a week starting next month. The reports say employees will be asked to go into their offices on Tuesday and Thursday, with individual teams picking an additional third day for in-person work. Amazon is reportedly accusing the FTC of harassing its founder, Jeff Bezos, and CEO Andy Jassy. According to the Financial Times, the accusations come as part of an agency probe into the e-commerce giant's prime membership system. The FTC has been looking into whether Amazon uses deceptive techniques to lure customers into signing up for prime since last year. The FT says Amazon claims the investigation had recently become unduly burdensome on the company's employees and executives. And a judge reportedly ordering Twitter to hand over documents from a former executive to Elon Musk. The documents in question were from a former Twitter exec Musk claimed was central in calculating the account, the amount of fake accounts on the platform. Bot and spam accounts on Twitter have become a central issue in Musk's legal fight to end his $44 billion takeover bid of Twitter. Most unusual. See them force an executive to hand over their notes, Frank. Well, never a dull moment when it comes to Elon Musk, Bertha. Or Bertha Coombs, thank you. No. All right, turning our attention to big retail earnings. Big retailers, they take center stage this week, reporting those second quarter results. The action starts today with Walmart and Home Depot out before the opening bell. And then later on this week, Target, Lowe's, TJX, Kohl's, even Foot Locker there on Friday. That's one I'm watching, among the other names reporting. Walmart's expected to post a drop in profit as it struggles to clear out excess inventory 
as shoppers have shifted to buying everyday essentials like groceries in the face of decades-high inflation. Home Depot's revenue is expected to rise as steady demand from contractors for tools and building materials helped offset a slowdown in do-it-yourself projects. Let's bring in Scott Mushkin, founder, CEO, and director of research at R5 Capital. Scott, thanks for being here. Hey, Frank, good to be here. All right, so we just laid it out. A lot coming up today. We got Walmart and Home Depot today. But just in general, over the last week, we've seen better than expected numbers when it comes to inflation. PPI better than expected. CPI better than expected. Don't know if you follow this, but even cash freight yesterday signaled that the rates for shipping, which is very crucial to companies like Walmart, that has a big grocery business, need a lot of shipments coming in and out. It looks like the rates when it comes to shipping may actually be peaking, which was probably a sigh of relief for every retailer. But this quarter actually encompasses months ago when inflation was rising, there was a recession concerns. What can we learn from the reports we're getting this week? I mean, I think the biggest thing to learn is about the inventory overhang. Uh, we heard, obviously, Walmart, Target, uh, that they were having some problems with the inventory. They've been liquidating that inventory. But when we hear lows in Home Depot, I think we're going to get another peek into, you know, how big the inventory overhang is in the economy. You know, we've we spent a lot of time on the road. It's both, R5 is both a research and consulting firm. So with our, our consulting business, we're, not, we're in so many different stores and definitely see the apparel overhang. Uh, but we're also seeing a lot of a lot of inventory and things like barbecues, mm-hmm. uh, just amazing amounts of inventory and things like that. So I think we'll get a peek into in, into the inventory situation, both at uh, Home Depot and Lowe's as they report. So I know you've done some spot checks of retailers. I want to get to that in a second. But really quick, I want to focus in on Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, in the start of the pandemic, I think everybody was sheltering in place, nesting, whatever the word you want to use. They obviously saw a big ramp up in sales. Um, but you've actually been watching some of their suppliers in recent months, and you, you believe that's going to give us some insight into the report. And we're talking companies like Procter & Gamble that makes tools. We're talking about Weber that makes grills. What have you been seeing in those stocks, and what do you think it tells us about what's coming up this week? Yeah, I mean, I think, that, again, it goes to the inventory overhang. I mean, you guys mentioned in the lead-in just what's going on with inflation. And we call it the crowding out effect. You know, our data is showing, you know, t- take Los Angeles. Food prices there in the last 18 months are up 23%. So you take the binge that, that the consumers had uh, with the pandemic on kind of stay-at-home, some spending going to services, and there's just, you know, there's just not a lot of money left over. But to your point, and it's, I think it's an important point, and we're seeing this from some of the CPG companies, um, you know, we saw 21 pallets, 21 pallets of bounty paper towel at the Lowe's. Um, that's just an insane amount. Uh, take Sam's, as out in California, literally toilet paper to the rafters. And so we are definitely seeing this issue in some of the hard goods. I think we've been a little surprised how it's now going into some of the consumables area, the inflation rate is high as it is, and we've been pretty vocal about this. It's it's hard not to understand. It's hard to understate what's going on here with some of the consumers below seventy five thousand. I mean, they're frankly being impoverished. Um, you can't see food prices up twenty three percent in in an eighteen month period, and I think that's really hurting people uh, in the pocketbook. And we're we're seeing it. Um, and so I think it's going to be an issue. I think the big wild card in retail is what the holiday looks like. Um, you know, when we're advising our consulting clients or we're talking to our research clients, it's the number one thing we're talking about. What is that holiday going to look like? Yeah, I think that's what those companies are asking themselves right now with all these inflation concerns and things like that. So speaking of what the holiday is going to look like, we're getting those reports later on this week. Again, Home Depot and Walmart later today. What what are we going to see in these reports that's going to give us insights about the rest of the calendar year and even the fiscal year for these stocks? What are you expecting to see? 
you know, it will be interesting, and, and it will be interesting to see if they pull guidance for the rest of the year for some of these companies, because it is so unclear. Um, and some of these some of these companies are great companies. We didn't talk about Target. Target is, an, is a wonderful company. Has done some great things. You see my casual garb here. I'm actually dropping a, a kid off at college for the first time down here in Florida. Um, what's our first stop? Our first stop is Target. Um, but I do believe, as you you know, you may see a lot of trepidation from these management teams on what the outlook looks like. You know, you talk about shipping costs, but the bigger thing is labor. What is going on with labor costs? And we saw with the the, the unemployment report, labor costs are going up quite uh, quite rapidly. Of course, all these companies are are you know big employer employers, and that's going to be a factor into the into the end of the year. The other thing about shipping costs, remember, a lot of these guys are on contract. So we're really talking of shipping costs come down. It's a 23 event um, for a lot of these companies. Yeah, uh, gr- great point about the outlook right there. Q1 for both Home Depot and Lowe's be- is the report today. We have to watch out for that outlook for revenue and for EPS. Scott Mush, congrats on dropping off your daughter at college. And Thank thanks you. for being here. All thanks right, also a programming note here in Worldwide Exchange. When to catch Courtney Reagan's exclusive sit-down with Walmart CEO Doug McMillan, that's at 10 a.m. Eastern only here on CNBC. All right, coming up, fresh fears around the housing sector. The new signal suggesting trouble ahead for real estate's red-hot run and whether or not this can actually hold up. But first, as we had to break, more of your morning's top stories. Warehouse workers at Amazon's largest air freight facility on the West Coast have walked off of the job. The workers at the San Bernardino International Airport facility are demanding higher pay and relief from hot conditions that they say are unsafe. Spending on business travel, not expected to recover to pre-pandemic levels until sometime in 2026. That's according to a new report from the Global Business Travel Association, which says inflation, labor shortages and geopolitical issues are to blame for the extended rebound. And Dodge announcing it will discontinue its gas-powered Challenger and Charger muscle cars at the end of this year. The move marking the end of an era for the brand as it starts to transition to electric vehicles, Worldwide Exchange. We'll be back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Here's a look at some of the things investors will be watching today. Three economic reports of note, the July housing starts and building permits, both due at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, followed by the July industrial production out at 9.15. We're also keeping an eye on this Celsius bankruptcy case as it kicks off its second day of hearings. This afternoon, and of course, we got that wave of retail earnings. They shift into high gear with Home Depot and Walmart taking the first swing starting next hour. U.S. home builder sentiment sinking yesterday for an eighth month, making it the longest decline since all the way back in 2007. Remember what happened back then. With the National Association of Home Builders and Wells Fargo Housing Market Index dropping six points to 49 in August, anything below 50 is considered negative. The index has not been negative since June of 2014, economists citing affordability as the number one hurdle for buyers. Let's talk more about this with Uma Moriarty, investment strategist at Center Square Investment Management. Uma, thank you so much for being here. Morning, Frank. Thanks for having me. So we're going to get all the way into this, Uma, but really quick, we have housing starts coming up later today. What are you expecting? What do you think that means for people who are invested in the housing market? Great question. You know, we have actually been 
seeing a fundamental undersupply of housing within this country. And a part of that really is driven by what happened in the GFC and sentiment for building coming out of it. And so hopefully we are working towards meeting that undersupply in the coming years. But at the same time, builders are still dealing with a lot of shortages, whether it relates to materials, whether it relates to labor, inflation. So a lot of different factors really compounding the supply issue that we have from a housing perspective across the country today. So we've been saying this word all throughout the show, inflation, 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 Uh, CPI and PPI better than expected last week. Um, I covered transports, freight numbers a little bit better than expected, showing some relief. One area we're not seeing any relief is housing um, and often considered the stickiest part of inflation. Um, Very rarely does your landlord say, you know what, I'm just going to reduce that rent. Don't worry about it. Um, How does that shape your view of investing in the housing market where, you know, some of that other inflation, it may actually be transitory, may actually work out that way, but housing very rarely is. Great question. You know, we invest here at Center Square in rental residential, and we're still seeing those rental rates continue to increase, just as you mentioned, right? We have a really strong labor market currently still within this country, which is giving landlords that pricing power, the ability to continue to charge those rents across the country. We're seeing some, you know, some phenomenal rent growth in in a lot of different markets. Part of that is a bit of a recovery that's happening in some of those urban core markets in California, New York City. Some of that is more of that recovery play. But across some of the markets in the southeast, the southwest, where we saw rental rates really, really increase throughout the pandemic, they're still continuing to increase on top of that, right? And so we're going to continue to see that part of inflation remain remain relatively elevated, even as we see some other parts starting to moderate now. All right, well, you got some stock picks for us. And according to you, it's all about location, location, location. Um, among your picks is Avalon Bay. That's an apartment. Um, is that a REIT? I don't know. It's a stock that, that generally deals with apartments in coastal areas like the West Coast and the East Coast, um, equity residential and UDR. Why these rental plays in particular? Like I mentioned, you know, a lot of these coastal markets where these companies have portfolios are seeing a confluence of several different factors right now that are giving them some fantastic pricing power and seeing a lot of rental rate growth. So part of that, a little bit of it is a recovery in some of those markets, but a lot of it really is, like I mentioned, a structural undersupply of housing in their markets. And so you're seeing great population growth. You're seeing those millennials looking at, you know, more housing options. You're starting to see those college graduates that maybe during COVID didn't actually move to where they were working, now are moving there. So you're seeing this resurgence of these coastal urban markets where all three of these companies have really fantastic portfolios. We're anticipating fantastic revenue and income growth out of these portfolios, not only this year, but also continuing into next year. And so residential housing actually provides a great inflation hedge for investors that are looking for something in a potentially you know downturn as we think about what's coming in the economy in a couple months. Yeah, you're also looking at another part of real estate that we don't talk that often about here on CNBC, but it's obviously a big part of the economy. Uh, supply chain, e-commerce, um, what's it called? Like industrial properties. I had, to, I had to search for the word there for a second. It's still early. Um, some of the names you're looking at are Prologis. Um, and can you kind of give us some of your other picks when it comes to this space and why you're so bullish in this space? So like you mentioned, it's an important part of what's happening here in the U.S. Over the last 30 years, we've been looking at deglobal, at globalization, right? So what happens when we're really expanding these supply chains globally? 
in the last few years, we've kind of seen that start to track backwards from a deglobalization perspective. And our supply chain is just fundamentally underbuilt to really service what consumers here today need, especially in the context of e-commerce growth, doing what it is. And so you mentioned Prologis. Another great name that we really like here is Rexford Industrial. Rexford Industrial really owns those supply chain hubs within Southern California, really close to two ports that account for 40% of imports coming into the U.S., really close to a massive consumer base there in Southern California and facilitating last-mile delivery of a lot of those e-commerce orders. All right, Uma Moriarty, we appreciate the insight. Coming to us from Philadelphia, I didn't talk to you about your cheesecake pick. I'm going to let you slide this time. All right, on deck here (laughs) at Worldwide Exchange, stocks seeking fresh momentum to keep their run of gains on track. Oppenheimer's John Stoltzfus lays out what to watch in the trading day ahead. And if you haven't already, follow the podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, you miss Brian Sullivan, check him out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. And we are back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. The industrial sector may not have the heaviest weighting in the S&P, but it's home to a diverse selection of very important stocks. Our Dom Chu joins us now with the winners and losers for this month's Sectronomics. Dom? A diverse set of stocks and companies, Frank, and ones, by the way, that have outperformed on a year-to-date basis. If you look at the S&P 500 versus that industrial sector, yes, it's not the biggest sector out there, nor maybe the most important. But maybe it tells us a bit about the economy. If you look at the overall picture for industrials, down about 5% on the year. So, yes, it's been a down year. We know it's been for the market. But the S&P overall is still down about 10%. So that white line, for the most part, over the better course of this year, tracking better than the orange line, which is the S&P 500. Winners-wise, it's interesting. The, the outperformance in certain parts of the market in industrials has a lot to do with the kind of conflicts that we've seen around the world right now, specifically between Russia and Ukraine. For that reason, you've seen a lot more focus and attention on defense contractors. We're talking names like Northrop Grumman, which is up 26 percent so far. You've got Lockheed Martin in that met, Helmet Aerospace, General Dynamics, among some of those big names that have seen some of the biggest moves to the upside. So again, global conflict. We can't forget about the tensions between China and Taiwan have kind of put a lot more of that focus for investors and traders on some of these defense contractors. Now, you mentioned in the last segment the, the notion of housing and real estate. Many of the biggest laggards so far in industrials have been around construction, engineering, building and products and services. So if you look at names like Stanley Black and Decker, down 46 percent, also Fortune Brands, think home security, that sort of thing, Pentair, flow systems, pools, liquid systems, and then Johnson Controls, which do a lot of temperature controls for real estate products. That's what you're talking about in terms of laggards. So when you talk about opportunities, these are some of the most beaten down names, Frank. When we're looking at industrials, as you mentioned, it's a very diverse group of stocks. You have some transportation companies, as you mentioned. You have some what seem like kind of tech companies as well. Um, When you're looking at this different group, um, where do you see the leadership coming going forward? So going forward, what's interesting now is if there is a recovery in the overall market, there tends to be a little bit more of that focus on some of the most beaten up names, right, because of that rising tide effect. So if you watch some of these companies, but here's the issue. The issue is if you have a rising rate environment, that's going to have a bigger slowdown effect on the overall economy, you could start to see some of these companies that are more levered to things like real estate development, like building and construction, start to take a little bit more of a kind of lagging type position here. What I would be careful of right now 
is looking at some of those defense contractor outperformers and saying that this can go up in a straight line forever. Many times those geopolitical risks tend to resolve themselves. We don't often find ourselves in massive conflicts. So it's not to say that those defense contractors don't do well over time, but there's a specific focus on them right now. But by the way, I would keep an eye on some of those ones that are more bellwethers of the economy, right? We talk about names like Caterpillar, Deer, that sort of thing, ones to watch for sure, Frank. All right, Dom Chu with Sectronomics. Dom, thank you very much. Turning our attention back to the broader markets, gearing up for a busy week of earnings from retail's heavy hitters with Walmart and Home Depot kicking things off in just a few minutes. Investors are also preparing for the release of minutes from the Fed's July meeting tomorrow and further insight as as to how the central bank may hike rates to tame inflation further. For much more on this, let's bring in John Stoltzfus, chief investment strategist at Oppenheimer Asset Management. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Frank. So, John, we just laid it out. Two big things right there. July minutes coming up tomorrow, but today we have retail earnings. Inflation expected to be a word we hear quite a few times when it comes to both. What are you expecting when it comes to both, and how do you see it impacting the markets? Well, we'd have to say related, related to the Federal Reserve, I think, you know, this is going to be, uh, when we look at the minutes, it's going to be reflective of where we were earlier, okay, in, in July, which was reflecting really on June and all that was happening. And then what we're really looking forward to here would be the uh, Kansas City Symposium, uh, Kansas City Fed Symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And that's coming up in the next week. So when you when we look towards the Fed, we think a lot of things are already known about the Fed. This will likely be some confirmation of what they were thinking of uh, earlier this month. But we really need to look forward. All right. So one of the things you hear on Wall Street very often is you want to sell on the news. But you actually think the news of the CHIPS Act is a tailwind for quite a few sectors, including industrials. Kind of explain the thesis there. Well, related to to where we're headed uh, with with the Fed, we think the Fed has shown remarkable sensitivity. Uh, It is sensitive both to the uh, uh, over uh, 40-year levels of inflation that we've been experiencing uh, it has already uh, had four hikes, and it, it's getting ready for a fifth in September. Uh, so what we think is it's trying to be sensitive to the effects of its actions, uh, what we think it's likely uh, hikes for longer, but yet at a more modest pace as we go forward. Uh, perhaps we'll, we'll continue to see, you know, this 75 BIPs type levels. Uh, it could go down to 50 in September. We'll just have to see what what that looks like. But we think the Fed is actually our friend here as it navigates the course out of this overstimulated economy uh, by both politicians and by the Fed itself. All right, John, since you've got a few friends over there at the Fed, I'm going to ask you to pull out the crystal ball for a second. Are you expecting the Fed to stay aggressive when it comes to inflation or possibly pivot? Yeah, you know, Frank, I think we're one of the few uh, uh, groups that really say it's not so much that the Fed is aggressive, it's just on the case, so to speak. TCB, like Elvis used to say, taking care of business. Uh, And as a result of that, you know, we think that this is a good environment uh, for a sector like industrials. You'd ask me for about industrials. And with industrials, I heard what Dominic was saying, but I would also say industrials play a big role in terms of manufacturing. And manufacturing is getting a boost uh, from the efforts uh, of the uh, of Congress just recently in the administration. Uh, you're going to see a lot of uh, build back better kind of action, that kind of thing. Uh, also, uh, when it comes to retailers, how do you manage inventories better? All of that and shipping 
all of that has to do with with technology that is deeply embedded in, in industrial products, as well, of course, uh, agriculture, which Dominic uh, mentioned. So it, it, industrials cover a lot more ground. One of our favorite sectors we like here, consumer discretionary, so, so John, industrials and financials. John, we're almost out of time. I want to ask you really quick. Obviously, we're coming off four weeks of gains and gains on Monday, but the future's a bit muted right now. What are you expecting for the trading day ahead? Well, I, I think the uh, the key word here, the operative phrase, is is muted. Uh, I think you know when, when you look at, at, at the futures, it's not really a, a, a worrisome kind of thing here. We could see some profit taking on mm-hmm. any catalyst that bears skeptics and nervous investors see uh, as an okay. opportunity for taking profits without FOMO. John, we got to leave the conversation there. Thank you so much, John Stolfus. Thanks for the insight, as always. And that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 